For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. Hour number two underway. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar on Mile High Sports. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Our caller text line remains 303-831-1340. What do you think of Michael Porter's performance last night? 5.6 rebounds after a 14.13 rebound effort in game one. We are, by the way, as always, streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen and the free Mile High Sports app. Our producer is the great Danny Bailey. Text in, call in with your thoughts. Again, 303-831-1340. Michael Porter looked like the old Michael Porter. The less distinguished player by far. Missed some shots and seemed to be allowing that to affect his defense. And I listened to Michael Porter on Saturday, and you know what, honestly... I was very impressed. I was very impressed in everything I heard from Michael Porter in his press conference on Saturday. And he sounded like a guy who was confident but not cocky, knew exactly why he had been effective in game one, and it had nothing to do with scoring a ton of points. That's how Michael Porter Jr. used to define himself. By how many points he scored in the ballgame. Not by how well he played defense. Not by how well he banged on the boards. Not by how unselfishly he played. No, it was strictly a matter of looking at his point total. 
But in these playoffs, that seems to have changed, and he is doing more damage than ever off the dribble, both in terms of setting up easier scoring opportunities and passing off. There were two or three plays in game one that the Nuggets ran to perfection. Virtually everybody on the floor touched the ball. They swung the ball. They took the ball to the basket off the dribble. And they found an open receiver underneath the basket for a layup or a dunk. Two or three times that happened. Miami kind of cut that off last night. Didn't see a lot of dunks in the half court with nobody within 10 feet of the score. Miami fouled virtually as much as it had in game one. The Nuggets actually took more free throws in game two than they had taken in game one. But Porter went from 14 points, 13 rebounds, to 5.6 rebounds, a turnover, and a minus 15 over 26 minutes. That means that the Nuggets were plus 12 in the 22 minutes that Michael Porter did not play. Now, in fairness, Michael Porter has been a big-time plus player in these playoffs, but he was brutal last night. Remember how it seemed, especially early in game one, Danny, that Gordon and Porter had matchups that were so one-sided the Nuggets could get most anything out of either one, whether it was inside or outside. Porter would just shoot over the top of his smaller defender and Gordon would just play bully ball with his smaller defender or cut to the basket, leaving the smaller man often in the dust. Last night they had 17 points between them. Not good enough. Heck, the Nuggets had 26 points from the three bench guys last night, which in most cases would be considered good enough. Pretty good production. Nine from Green, 11 from Brown. Christian Brown at six. Especially in the first half. Six points, a rebound, three assists, three steals, and only one turnover. For the game in 15 minutes, plus eight. He was plus by a lot more than eight in the first half. Statistically, you, you look around, and the, the only thing that stuck out with the Nuggets is being bad collectively, 13 turnovers and only 23 assists. They out-rebounded the Heat 38-31, 9-8 in the offensive boards. 19 out of 22 at the line to 18 for 20 for Miami. 11 for 28 on threes, better than 39%. Miami 17 of 35, of course. And they uh, outscored the Heat. On uh, field goals, 39 to 38, 39 of 75, 52%. The Heat, 38 of 78%, 49%, 48.7 to be exact. But I thought Porter's defense and kind of his attitude were pervasive. You, 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 could, you could feel it last night, and you could feel the tension that it put into not only his game, but into the Nugget offense. Except for the Nugget second quarter, in which they scored 34 of their 108 points, the Nuggets didn't get past 26 points in any one quarter. 
and the quarter where they had 26 was the third, but I thought they missed any number of good chances to build the lead out to double digits, much as it had been late in the second quarter. Porter didn't apply enough seriousness to the game last night on the court. He got lost defensively a few times, leading to not just open threes, but in-rhythm threes. Now, yes, I get it. They had 16 quote-unquote open threes in the first game. But the pace of the game was not Miami's pace in game one. The rhythm of the game offensively for Miami wasn't the same as it was last night. The ball was moving last night a lot better than it had been in game one. The Nuggets were much less aggressive defensively in game two. No doubt. I mean, the same team that they held to 93 points, and that was with a 30-point fourth quarter in game one, scored 111 last night. This is a neck-up series now, folks. And the more that it is a neck-up series as opposed to a neck-down series, the worse it is for the Nuggets' prospects. Your thoughts on Porter's performance last night? Your thoughts on the Nugget collective effort offensively and or defensively? We will, in a few moments, get to the timeout that was not called. To me, there are grounds on which to criticize Michael Malone, and we've outlined them today over the first hour, five minutes of our program, closer to an hour, ten minutes now. Not calling that timeout ain't one of the criticisms, but of course, it's all you read about and hear about. Tim Legler of ESPN after the game did qualify his assessment at the outset by saying it can be argued fairly both ways. Some coaches want to call timeout and design something. Some other coaches would rather play against a defense that's scrambling back after a missed shot. And especially when you have a one-on-one player like Murray. I think Malone was right. And I don't care if he left timeouts in his pocket at the end of the game. There was nothing wrong with the Nuggets in the last three minutes, 14 seconds of the basketball game last night. Nothing. The problem was they were 12 points behind going into those final three minutes plus. That was the problem. Of course, when Murray misses the shot, you say, well, they should have called timeout. If he makes the shot, you're saying, boy, that was smart. Didn't let their defense get set up. For Murray, that was a good shot. But in any case, we'll get to that later. We have a text, Danny Bailey. Yet we another. do. We do. This one, this one from Vinny. He said, MPJ looked overwhelmed for the first time in this finals run. I would agree. I would agree that the attitude, I think he let his offense affect his defense more than he has at any point in the playoffs so far.
I, I thought in game one, he, he what, on threes, two for 11, right? But it didn't affect his defense. Last night, it did. And somebody more expert, somebody like Dr. Rick Perea, who will join us on Wednesday afternoon, can better explain what the difference was between Michael Porter's poor shooting in game one and his defense being as good as it's ever been in any one game and his shooting being shaky in game two and in game two it affected, seemingly affected his defense. And not in any physical sense, but psychologically. He seemed to, again, get lost on defense. Not know the personnel. Some of the open threes they got, especially in the first half, were threes that he should have challenged much more aggressively than he did. He was at best tentative, at worst indifferent defensively last night. But in a tight game, I I thought Malone, in playing him only 26 minutes, did the right thing. Bruce Brown played 27 minutes last night, and he deserved every one of those minutes more than Michael Porter deserved any of his 26 minutes. And at the end of the game, who was out there? Bruce Brown, right? Not Michael Porter. So on that score, I commend Michael Malone. And in a few minutes, we'll talk about some of the other stuff. But I listen, um, I think Vinny is exactly right. That's the first time, and it was palpable last night. It was clear that as the game went on, it got worse and worse. He seemed tight on offense. He seemed locked into shooting jumpers last night. There was no go-to-the-basket game. No off-the-dribble game for Michael Porter last night. He's had games in these playoffs with as many as half a dozen assists. Has he not? How many assists did he have last night? That would be zero. Zero. In fact, can you remember a single occasion when he had the ball last night that he was even looking to pass, that there was even a threat that he would pass? Forget about passing to a guy in a position to score. Just pass at all. You know how many passes the Nuggets threw last night to players attacking the basket? I I mean, I can still see game one. And at time, especially in the first three quarters, first half, to narrow it down even further. Pass after pass after pass to people attacking the basket. They had six passes last night to players attacking the basket. None from Jokic because when Jokic had the ball, they were all standing. Now, I thought... To be honest, in the third quarter, 
I thought that was the worst quarter of the series from an aesthetic point of view. Both teams are just standing around, waiting for the Stars to score. Very little ball movement, very little player movement. And that's where I think the Nuggets missed their chance to put the basketball game away. Maybe not have a 20-point lead after three quarters, but have a double-digit lead, somewhere between 10 and 15 points. And it took a end-of-quarter rush to break the game out to eight points, 83-75 in Denver's favor, heading into the fourth. And again, the Nuggets this year had lost all year, regular season included, one game. One game in which they had an eight-point lead or more heading into the fourth quarter. One game all year they lost under those circumstances. And my guess would be, without knowing which game that was, it was not necessarily a game of great consequence. In other words, first place in the West was not riding on that game. Undefeated in the playoffs when leading by 10 points or more at any time during the game. Last night, they're up 15, coming off a 40-14 to 14 run. But they had too many, in hockey they call them passengers. For some reason, that term isn't used in basketball. At least it's not used nearly as much. And again, after the game, had Michael Malone gone that route, I would have said today that he was restrained in his commentary. We had too many passengers, too many guys watching Jokic last night and figuring in spite of evidence to the contrary that when Jokic has to score 40 points or more, the Nuggets quite frequently lose when he has to shoot a lot, even if he's making well over 60% of his shots as he did last night, they're going to lose. All right, we're going to dig into this timeout business, the timeout that Michael Malone didn't use. I will defend him on this score. What did you think of the timeout or timeouts that were not used last night? The Nuggets lead the game losing by three and timeouts in their pocket. Was that part of the game mismanaged by Malone? Or under the circumstances as you were watching Would you have done the same thing? Let him go. Murray's got the ball. And even the national announcers were thinking, well, the issue here is not whether to call timeout or not. The issue here is on Miami's side. You got a three-point lead. Foul. Especially if it gets under five seconds. Foul. We'll continue. This is Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar. Stay with us. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Understand. With an equal opportunity for all to say. 
touched on the uh, timeout business as we continue on this Monday afternoon, fifth day of June 2023. Sandy Clef, Sean Drotar, Sean off today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. And uh, Rick Perea, uh, Danny will be joining us at 2.05 tomorrow rather than uh, on Wednesday. Maybe uh, Rick's been listening today and he sees how much I am struggling to come up with a cogent psychological analysis. Because, again, I think this series from here on out will be played from the neck up. I think it's at least 90% psychological. Now, had the Nuggets won last night, you wouldn't have to worry about psychology. Between games two and three, during game three in Miami on Wednesday night, but for the first time, In these playoffs, the Nuggets, at the moment, do not have home court advantage. Now, the good news is that in the last series, the Miami Heat lost two out of three at home. Now, they probably should have won two out of three because it took uh, old friend Derek White's last second tap-in, push-in, whatever you want to call it, last tenth of a second to beat Miami in game six for the Boston Celtics and force a game seven, which Miami, of course, won in Boston very easily. As poorly as the Nuggets played last night in many respects, it certainly wasn't anything like games one, two, or seven for Miami. There are three wins on the road in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. But this is the first time the Nuggets will be operating on Wednesday night, at least in a home court sense, they'll be operating in a position of disadvantage. All right, we have not one but two texts, Danny Bailey, coming in. So we'll uh, take them one at a time. Absolutely. The the first one uh, on Michael Porter Jr., Again, from Roger, Porter checked out. He's lost his confidence, but I think the time off has still affected their timing and rhythm, hence the bad shooting and turnovers. I, I Honestly, I, I didn't think that affected them. Uh, and, and the shooting Especially the way bad. they started game one. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they shot over 50% game one. They shot 52% uh, last night. And actually, although they missed makeable threes, they they shot 39%, 39 39.3%, 11 of 28 on threes. What the Heat know they have to do to win this series is make roughly as many free throws as the Nuggets make. However many they take, they've got to kind of break even at the foul line. And they have to take more threes than the Nuggets do And the assumption is if they take more threes, if they take five or more threes as opposed to the number of threes the Nuggets take, they figure the percentages will be good enough so that they will gain points in a three-point game. What did George Carl tell us late last week in advance of game one? He told us when I asked him what to watch for in the first quarter, 
but it might as well have been what should we watch for in this series. He said one fundamentals and two the three ball. Well, until the fourth quarter in game one, the Nuggets were the far better team fundamentally, and they shot the three ball. Not particularly well, but the story was all the misses from the Heat in the first three quarters from three-point range and how that seemed to drain them. I mean, the Heat took a lot of threes in game one, but until the fourth quarter, they didn't make any. And, of course, they didn't get the foul line more than twice. And that was not only an NBA Finals all-time record. That was an NBA playoff record. The Finals record had been five free throws, fewest, in a Finals game. The all-time record was three free throws made or taken in an NBA playoff game. The Heat took two. Now, Michael Malone was right, insane, and we were too on Friday when we said, listen, officials, much as they say they don't, and there are 14 officials assigned to this series, they read the papers, they read the box scores, and yeah, they hear the talk. Now, Miami didn't complain about only getting two free throws. I guess Bam Adebayo said something after the game that seemed like kind of, sort of, a complaint. But the Miami Heat knew they had no chance to win if they only got two free throws in a game, and if they only made seven threes in the first three quarters of the basketball game. They they knew they were dead, even though they made six in the fourth quarter. But then you take the fourth quarter, and the number of threes they made last night, that's 23 threes in the last five quarters for the Miami Heat. That's too many for them to make. And since they basically broke even at the foul line last night, didn't matter the Nuggets had more field goals, 39 to 38. The Heat had more threes, 17 to 11. You do the math. The Heat had an 18-point advantage on three-pointers. They shot 49%. The Nuggets shot 52% overall. They shot 49%. The Nuggets shot 39% on threes. But the key was they took seven more, and they made six more. 18 points in a three-point game. Fundamentals, Heat had more assists, fewer turnovers last night. The Heat were the better fundamental team last night. The Heat were better on the three ball last night than the Nuggets were. It was the reverse of that in game one. Now, yes, in a fourth quarter in which the Nuggets led by 21 going in, and still after an 11-point run to start the fourth quarter for Miami, Still a double-digit lead. Yeah, the Heat made some threes and ended up shooting a higher percentage than the Nuggets did. But the advantage from three-point land was greater last night. They got more of an advantage on the three ball in game two than they had in game one. Fundamentals were better. The rhythm was their rhythm. The pace was their pace. Nikola Jokic, always the best analyst of Nugget games, much better than the coach, much better than any of the other players, said the game was played at their pace. Too much of the game was played at their pace. And the funny thing was, remember when the Nuggets started their run and continued it into the second quarter last night after they were down 21 to 10? A lot of that came with Jokic on a bench. The Nuggets were plus 
eight last night in the six minutes that Jokic did not play. Plus eight. Now, that's not a reflection on Jokic. That is a positive when, especially in the first half, you looked at Green, Brown, and Brown. There was a period, remember, Danny, 70 seconds in that run. They made four threes in 70 seconds. Four different guys. Brown made one. Green made one. Murray made one. Gordon made one. Within 70 seconds between the first one and the last of the four. That was the only time during the game. So we say 11 minutes, 46 seconds. The Nuggets had the pace the way they wanted it. Great rhythm. I mean, bang, 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 bang. Four straight threes, no misses in 70 seconds. But for three quarters plus, Nikola Jokic was right on the mark. The rhythm, the pace was Miami's last night. And you take fundamentals and the three ball, flip from game one to game two. Well, if it didn't flip, it was a bigger edge for Miami in game two than it had in game one. Okay, we got another text, I believe, before we break here. Yes, we do. Uh, Sandy, why can't Porter back someone in <laughs> and shoot over them or dump the ball? Yeah. Well, he did some of that off the dribble in game one. I thought it was very effective. There was one play in particular that was magnificent. All five guys touched the ball. He fakes from the corner on a three, gets his defender up in the air, drives past him, challenges the interior defense, drops the ball off, I believe, to Gordon for a lay-in or a dunk. Beautiful basketball. After game one, Jamal Murray said we played fluent, beautiful basketball. He was exactly right. That was the game in which Jokic and Murray became the third pair to have scored 20 points and had 10 assists in a finals game, joining Jordan and Pippen, Magic, and Worthy. If you're talking about 25 points or more, 10 assists or more in a finals game can take Jordan Pippen out of it because they didn't both have 25 or more. Magic and Worthy would be the only other tandem. Well, last night you had 41 points for Jokic, but only four assists and five turnovers. And for Murray, 18 points, 10 assists, but not 20 and 10. And in a plus-minus sense, Murray was the closest of all the starters to breaking even at minus two over 39 minutes. The Nuggets were minus one in the nine minutes that Murray was not on the floor last night. But in terms of Porter backing in and playing iso ball, that's, that's not the Nuggets. That's not who they should be. They were capitalizing on matchups in the first game because they're moving the ball and making the defense switch even when the defense didn't necessarily want to switch. And the counter move by Spolstra was to start Love, who at 6'8 is three inches taller than Caleb Martin and considerably heavier. Love 
play 22 minutes. I was texting uh, with the great Terry Fry during the game last night, and he made a terrific point. He said the key to the game was the way Spolstra used love. Not too much, but just enough. 22 minutes, he didn't get tired. Six points, 10 rebounds, one assist, two steals, no turnovers, plus 18 in 22 minutes. Only Vincent at plus 22 was better last night than Love was in his 22 minutes going plus 18. And so Gordon wasn't cutting to the basket or playing bully ball, backing. That's that's the thing that was missing last night. Not so much Porter backing in. That's really not Porter's game. Porter's game is shooting over smaller defenders from distance and taking them off the dribble. And with that kind of momentum going to the basket, using his athleticism, his springiness, to vault over the defense. And you remember in the second quarter, the Murray breakaway dunk and a foul, the Brown dunk, and by Brown I mean Christian in this case. They weren't doing that when Michael Porter was on the floor. They weren't running. They had the pace of the game exactly the way they wanted to. Having Porter back in slows them down. You don't want that. Now, on quick hitters, you've got Gordon as a guy who can seal off mostly smaller defenders and take advantage. But that's early offense. That's when that happens. It doesn't slow them down. You don't clear a side, give it to Porter and watch him back in. That's That's really not how he plays. And it probably isn't something that he particularly wants to do considering the fact that he's had three back surgeries in his life within, what, the last five, six years. It's probably not exactly the game he wants to play. But the problem with Porter last night was that he let his frustration on offense affect his defense. And he became indifferent, He became less aware. Whatever term you want to use, he stunk defensively last night. And that was a big part of the problem for the Nuggets during the 26 minutes in which he was on the floor. We'll wrap things up. Some final thoughts coming next. Sean Drochar will be back with us tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. So will the good doctor, Rick Perea, at about 2.05 tomorrow afternoon right here on My High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough, Chandro Tar. A little bit from the Jacksons right there. We have an upbeat little tune to uh, close us out today. 
Nuggets and Heat tied at one game apiece. So, this will be a competitive NBA Finals. Nuggets, in theory, could still win the series in five games, but you get the sense that these games from here on out will be closer than game one was, and even game one was only decided by 11 points. Why are the Nuggets in the playoffs, in games in which Nikola Jokic scores 40 or more points, zero and three? Well, I can give you an answer on the basis of of what happened in two of those three games. It happened in the overtime loss against Minnesota in round one. 114 to 108, Jokic had 43 points, but only six assists. Last night, he had 41 points and four assists. Similar numbers. Had 11 rebounds last night. He had 11 rebounds in Minnesota in that overtime loss. You know what else was the same? In the Minnesota overtime loss, no other Nuggets scored 20 points. Last night, no other Nuggets scored 20 points. Jamal Murray only got to 18 with a last-minute flurry of shots or last few minutes flurry of shots. So in two of the three games they've lost with Jokic scoring 40, and they haven't won a one, the formula, as it's worked out at least in the box score, is that Jokic gets his 40-plus He gets his 11 rebounds, but he only averages five assists in those two games. And no other Nugget scores 20 points. Jokic in that overtime loss in Minnesota was minus 14. Last night he was minus 11. In a plus-minus sense, his two worst games of the playoffs, the overtime loss in Minnesota, when actually the Nuggets... We're a plus team when Jokic was not on the floor. Last night, they were plus eight in the non-Jokic minutes. In other words, the bench was pretty good in both those games, but the other four starters failed the Nuggets, and no one on the Nugget bench came close to averaging 20 points a game this year. So you can expect even when you're getting good performances from Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green, that any of them will score 20 points. They don't take enough shots to get to 20. Now, last night, they had 20 in the first half, and they finished with 26. Brown had 11. Green had 9. Christian Brown had 6. Green was plus 12. Bruce Brown was plus 14. Christian Brown was plus 8. Nothing wrong with the bench last night. And the bench, to my way of thinking, was primarily responsible for the 15-point lead they had with just a few minutes left in the second quarter last night at 50-35. to It wasn't so much that the three guys off the bench were not nearly as good in the second half. It was that Minnesota's bench, Robinson, Martin, Lowry in particular, were a lot better during their second-half stint than they had been in the first half. But every player on the Minnesota bench was a minus player 
last night in a game that the Heat won by three points. Every Nugget player was a plus player off the bench last night. No starter was a plus player for the Nuggets last night. Conversely, no starter was even close to being a minus player for the Heat. Love, plus 18. Butler, plus 3 in 40 minutes. I guess he was close to being a minus player. Adebayo, plus 17 in 40 minutes. In all honesty, I thought all around the most effective player on the floor last night was Bam Adebayo. All around. Offensively, defensively, rebounding, playmaking, blocking shots. Did have three turnovers, but Jokic had five. Gabe Vincent, plus 22. Struess, plus 14. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs because in most cases, there might be one game in the series that's affected by the bench on one side or the other. But the starters have to play, generally speaking, somewhere between 35 and 45 minutes in a typical playoff game, one that's closely contested, as the game was basically last night for all the crazy runs there were back and forth during the course of the basketball game. So, yes, you're going to ride your starters. Love only played 22 minutes last night, but Love, even when he starts games, doesn't play a lot of minutes. Butler played 40. Adebayo played 40. Vincent played 32. Strews played 29. Off the bench, 17 for Robinson. 21 for Martin. 24 for Lowry. The Nugget bench, Green at 16 minutes. Bruce Brown, 27. Christian Brown, 15. The starters played Gordon, 38 minutes. Porter, 26. Jokic, 42. Murray, 39. KCP, 36 minutes. You're going to ride your starters. And I thought Malone was right in limiting Porter's minutes to 26 and playing Bruce Brown more than he played Michael Porter Jr. last night. I thought in terms of managing the game, Michael Malone did fine. And that includes the timeout that he didn't call and the timeouts he had in his pocket at the end of the game. Jamal Murray said it after the game. I think you guys have seen me hit that shot enough. We've seen him hit that shot in this series. We've seen him hit that kind of shot over and over during the playoffs. Of course, it is not, even for Jamal Murray, a high percentage shot. But if any of you out there want to push back, we're getting short on time today, but certainly during the course of the program tomorrow, at 303-831-1340, either by calling or texting, feel free to do so. But if you believe they should have taken a timeout, tell me against a set defense that they have a chance to set up during the timeout. I mean, they get they get the time, too, to set up their defense. And they know only two people are in the running to take that last shot. Let's say Malone called the timeout. Two people can take that last shot. 
One has got number 15 on his back, and the other's got number 27. They're the only two. Aaron Gordon's not going to take a three with a game on the line. Bruce Brown's not going to take a three. Contavious Caldwell-Pope's not going to take a three. And even if they did, they'd be contested. Murray's shot would have been contested regardless. Miami made a good play. I wondered, as Van Gundy and Jackson did, why Miami didn't foul, but then they knocked the ball away from Murray. And that made him rush a little bit. Didn't miss the shot by a lot, but it was always going to be a low percentage chance, even though they set up a play. Plays break down. Even plays coming out of timeouts, they can break down. You don't get your first option automatically. And if you honestly think Michael Malone could set up a play that Eric Spolster's Miami Heat couldn't defend and they get an uncontested three, wide-open three out of it, you're nuts. You're not paying attention. Series is 1-1. Nuggets are still the favorite. They got a little fat-headed last night, and the Nuggets coach was a little more hot-headed than he should have been. Going into the game last night, the Nuggets were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Minus 700 to win the series. The Heat were plus 500 to win the series. A Denver sweep was pegged at plus 350. A sweep. Plus 165 on Denver and five. The pick that most of us have made here at Mile High Sports. They are 9-0 going into the game last night at home in the playoffs with almost a 12-point per game differential on average. So they lost one. This makes the series more fun, makes it more competitive. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Our thanks to the great Danny Bailey. Sean will rejoin us tomorrow at 2. The good Dr. Rick Perea will be with us as well, right here on Mile High Sports. Stay with us. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.